0: Well, good morning. Um, Late yesterday afternoon, after uh, leading a conference at Asbury United Methodist Church in Huntsville, Alabama, I was notified that uh, I could not make it home via uh, Delta Airlines. And uh, the calm of the Lord came over me and I said, well, this is interesting. I'll just go rent a car at which time I was notified that you cannot rent a car one way from Huntsville, Alabama to Lexington, Kentucky. And at that very point, one of the graduates of this institution stepped up and said, I'll take you home. And we just went out and got in the car. Tommy Gray uh, shuttled me uh, back home and we met Diane, my wife, out uh, in Bowling Green. So I'm thankful to be here. And I want you to know that 40 years ago, I uh, sat where you are sitting, and I want this family to know that 40 years ago, this uh, little West Texan uh, kid who, who didn't know what the word ecclesiology meant, much less uh, theology or anything else, uh, looked up with just awe at Frank Bateman Stanger. Dr. Stanger was a magnificent man of God, always well-dressed, always... Uh, Presenting the best of the goodness of God to us, his students. So I thank the Lord for the heritage that you have. Well, of hardened hearts and misunderstandings, why in the world are you here? It's really an important question. All right, how many first year? How how many? Look at that. All right, I'm so proud. Awesome! We're glad you're here on Wednesday. This is an important part of the life of this community. How many second year? All right, you're hanging in there. You know it's still uphill. All right, how many third year? Look at that! It's a good representation. Uh, They're kind of the faithful. You know they they they're not quite there yet, but they can see it. All right, I know there's some fourth year. I see the fourth years. All right. Now, how many of you are just career seminary students? Look, look, There we go. (laughs) Man, we love our career seminary students. uh, They're lots of fun. It breaks our hearts. We get to know them so well, and then they do finally leave. (laughs) But we're here now, and we are here for a purpose, and And we need to understand why we are here, and we need to know what that purpose is. And I think there's no better place to look than at the the Gospels uh, to understand that purpose. Now, to understand uh, Mark 8, I forget which uh, sermon this was in Tim's series. Tim went through, our president went through the whole Gospel of Mark. Uh, This was maybe in the 20s. But to get a hold of what was read so wonderfully in Mark 8 and to understand that final, uh, you know, just kind of broken hearts, a little bit of a disappointment, a little bit of a challenge uh, that Jesus gave here, uh, do you not yet understand? Do you not yet get it? You really need to uh, go back to um, an earlier account of the feeding of the 5,000. So go back to Mark 6. This, this happened up on the northwest part of the Sea of Galilee, that beautiful lake of Galilee. Um, not quite over to Capernaum, where uh, Peter and several of the other disciples lived. Uh, probably not as far uh, over uh, to the Mount of Beatitudes, but somewhere in the middle uh, In a beautiful sloping place, this magnificent uh, miracle took place. It it was really one of the first seminary classes to be offered. It it was called MM501. Not to be confused with mentored ministry. This was Miracle Management 501. (laughs) So let's look at Miracle Management real quickly. Five hundred one. Uh, he's teaching them all 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 day. This huge crowd. The disciples were a little bit uh, tired to begin with. They were just trying to get away from the crowd, but uh, the crowd caught up with them. And Jesus had compassion. He's loving them. He's feeding them with the the, the incarnate Word, which He is, the second person of the Trinity, the living words of life. Are, are being poured out to them, the disciples start to get anxious. They start to get ants in their pants. They're, 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 they're restless, and they come to Jesus and essentially said, Look, Jesus, you gotta get, you got to get rid of these people. There's too many of them. We can't feed them. It's late. Why don't you just send them home? Jesus flips the whole thing on them, turns to them, gives them an imperative command, and says, You give them something to eat. Now, you're going to find this uh, real quick when you get out in ministry. You're going to have more to do than what you can possibly handle. Huge crowds, and you're going to be pressed with the issue. There's just a little bit of me and a whole lot of them. I really don't have the personal resources to do what the gospel is calling me to do here. And... So uh, they start ifing and humming and and and, button, and they say, oh gosh, we, we can't, in, in essence, we can't do this, and they really start complaining. They offer him a question here, and the question is nothing more than a complaint. Are we to go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? In other words, Jesus, have you lost your marbles? We don't have this kind of funds. It's not going to happen. Now get realistic and send them home then you know how the story goes. Jesus asked him, well, what do you have? And he's going to be pressing you along these lines throughout this whole seminary experience. Uh, as inadequate as we all feel at times, sometimes uh, we even really question, why in the world am I here? In fact, if a number of you weren't uh, asking that kind of question now, I, I would I would be surprised. And, and, and so he comes in our inadequacy and says, all right, what can you do? What do you have? So they come forth with a fairly measly offering. And they offer that to him, and you know what happens. My fairly measly little offering that I can give to others in ministry is taken by divine love and multiplied in ways I could never imagine. And abundance is there, and people are fed, and the goodness of God is known. Now, this was a great day in the lives of the disciples. Can you imagine these uh, kind of burly, uh, rough, uh, not hyper or super educated fishermen tax collectors uh, and other various sorts of people suddenly being cast into the limelight of this miracle worker named Jesus. Now I'm telling you, you start feeding 5,000 people and people look up and say, isn't that Peter? Isn't that that ruffle, the son of a gun uh, uh, over a few villages? you got to be kidding. Look, look at these guys. They're amazing. So it was a red-letter day for the disciples. Now Jesus sent them on across the lake, just a short little uh, rowing distance, not far at all, except for the fact when a storm comes down. Now you know Mount Hermon's only a few miles, some 45 miles north of there. It's nearly 10,000 feet above sea level. It's massive enough to create its own storm systems. And it comes rolling down, and suddenly a calm lake is forced to deal with 15-foot swells. And it still happens to this day. And their lives were in danger. They were sinking. And so now we move from ministry management uh, and from uh, miracle management 501, where We learn about passing baskets, and we learn about handing out goodies, and we learn about bringing in the surplus and crowd control, and they all made an A-plus on the basket thing that day. But then the crisis came, and the crisis comes for all of us. The Lord loves us enough to allow crisis... St. Augustine said it this way, you have loved me, O Lord, with what? With a severe mercy in his work, confessions. So the crisis came and lo and behold, something that was not of God came out. Absolute terror. The gospel uses a word. I don't have a water bottle here, but it's, uh, it's a terrazzo. And, and it's like shaking water up. It's just your, your whole life is shaking up. And, and, and so we know that fear, we know that this sense of inner calamity, we know that the, this, this doubt, this misperceiving who's coming to them on the water, none of that is from the Lord. And suddenly we realize that, you know what? These guys made an A in 501 Miracle Management, but they're failing the whole purpose of why they were there. And so on the lake, after Jesus calms the water and and settles them down and calms their uh, screaming, the Word says in 52, "...for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts..." We're hardened. Now, how is it you could be with Jesus for so long and your hearts be hardened? And how is it that you could possibly come to seminary and be in this kind of an environment and still come out with, well, what are the words here that Jesus used when you go back to, to Mark 8? Look at these words. Are your hearts hardened, he says? Um, Do you not perceive or understand? In other words, is memory, intellect, and will not not clicking here in in your mind? You're surrounded by the miraculous. You're surrounded by the intervention of God into this world. and, And you're making A's on everything except what really counts. And that's the transformation of your very heart and your very life. Wow. Do you have eyes and fail to see? In other words, is, is what you appraise, what you're seeing, what, what you're discerning. You, you, you're just not seeing the picture here. Do you not yet understand Jesus' laments? It's a huge thing for us today. It's a huge thing for us at seminary. I want to just just watch my actions here. They, these disciples then, and I think we as disciples now, have to go through some movements. They had to move from a whole worldview in which right at the middle of that worldview was a big, fat, capital I... And all of the relationships fed back into that eye, and all of their own internal stuff fed back into that eye. And uh, this thing about Jesus, well, man, he's just there to promote my well-being, and so Jesus feeds back into my eye. And, And yet they find themselves crushed, literally crushed by the crises. And crises will come. So they had to move from this type of not perceiving, not hearing, not seeing, not rightly evaluating, you know, what God is about. They had to go through then a process, a process where their hearts are being formed and reformed. And I'm telling you, to be honest, some things had to die in their lives. And then... The whole point of the thing was to get them to Christian maturity, where that big fat I is out of the middle, and Iesu Christu is in the middle, and the Trinity of God is there, and life revolves around Trinity, not big fat capital I. It's a huge process, and, and you're here to enter into that process, and it's also a huge gift because to get over here is not earned, nor can you work hard enough to get over here. It is sheer gift. Now let's fly to, to our roots, our heritage. We're celebrating part of our heritage today with uh, Dr. Stanger. And part of the call of this day for the church to continue on, particularly the Wesleyan stream of the church, is we've got to recover who we are. We've got to get back that, that original dynamic that God used in order to launch the whole thing. Listen to, uh, listen to Mr. Wesley in his famous sermon Salvation by faith. This then is, this teaching sermon, this then is the salvation which is through faith. Even in the present world, a salvation from sin and the consequences of sin, both often expressed in the word justification, which is what Jesus does for us, which taken in the larger sense implies a deliverance from guilt and punishment by the atonement of Christ actually applied to the soul of the sinner, now believing on him, and a deliverance from the power of sin through Christ formed in the heart. So something very significant happened in this encounter with Christ and in this saying yes to Christ and in this acceptance of the gift of justification. Wesley is saying Christ is formed in us. That imago day business is starting to, to come out. The image of who I most deeply am is, 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 is redeemed and is starting to radiate. He is born again of the Spirit, Wesley wrote, unto a new life which is hid with Christ in God. And as a newborn babe, he gladly receives the sincere milk of the word and grows thereby. Now, look, if you're going to move from, through, Two and get to this maturity point to be a mature leader for Christ, a mature Christian filled with the character of Christ, which is what the world needs most right now and the local church needs most, then there's got to be this through process and that's why I'm here and that's why you're here. This growth in grace, what, what Wesley wanted to see, what Wesley wanted to see happen was This growth from grace to grace until at length we come unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, Ephesians 4.13. He wanted us to grow up into the maturity of who Christ is, and it was a community process. Where do you need to come out in this seminary experience? Very quickly, God's church today needs really sound theologians. People who know the faith, people who can articulate the faith, people who know theologically who they are. And we understand justification and we understand sanctification. And we have that Wesleyan lens through which we live and preach and teach and minister. So, we need you to be theologically grounded, articulate. Even those of you who are counseling degree, there's a theological base to all of that as well. All of us. Then we're called to be biblically grounded people. Scholars of the Word, we know the Word, we live by the Word, we preach and teach and live and love by the Word. It's who we are. And in all of this process, in all of this magnificent gift you can be given here, which I give you full assurance people from around the world would give anything to be sitting where you are sitting right now. I know that firsthand. In all of that, the plea is don't lose The end. You can make straight A's in this place and not come out as a mature Christian. So you need the means of grace. We all need the means of grace. We need the community that carries us in the means of grace. We need the healing that is offered to us as a free gift through Christ. We need to be in prayer, in the Word, We need to be in worship. All of these things. This is the privilege of why we are here and this is the call upon you for God is not so concerned about the grades you make, the degrees you earn, or the the honors that are bestowed upon you. The Lord wants your heart. He wants you to be a woman of integrity, a man of depth, a woman of grace and love, a man of integrity that shares this gospel with his fallen world so here's the call in all of this it's a call to see what god is about it's a call to hear what god is about all in the midst even of heavy heavy work it's a call to rightly understand to rightly perceive the work of god in the community called church, not just in my individual life. And it's a call not to have a hardened heart, but to have a broken heart filled with the goodness of Christ and overflowing into a world that desperately needs you to get this part of your journey right. Amen? Amen.